Hello again, Revive School, and welcome back to Lesson 20, and we are continuing on in Job. Um, my name is Gordy Hinkey. I'm from northern Indiana, a pastor up there, but, you know, as I get started today, I'd just like to give a bit of a shout out, you know, because... I know that there are people who are not from our area that are doing the school and, and I just want to commend you for continuing. And Kyle was just talking about holding fast, but even in this school, it takes a holding fast. And so anyways, uh, we are uh, continuing on in Joe, but I just feel like there's a community of revived school. And so I don't want to make it sound like it's just Indiana or it's just in Dallas or it's, it's one thing. All of us are doing the same thing together and wanting to see the gospel come forth and, and see the, the, the revival uh, for our nation and for the world. And so really, we're in this together, and we want to acknowledge that as we go forward. And today, I, we're going to have a very important um, discussion, so to speak, out of Job 28. Uh, we will continue on into Job 29. Um, but there's some really, really important stuff in this chapter that I I believe... Um, Job's wrestling and uh, along with his dear brothers of, uh, what's the names again, fellas? Eliaz, Bildad, Zophar. And Zophar, we have Eliphaz and Bildad. So in the first verse of uh, Job chapter 28, it says this, Surely there is a vein for the silver. And I think I've watched enough old westerns to know that there was a silver vein in the, in the earth somewhere. And then it says, and there's a place for gold where they find it. And, and there's a place, you know, and, and it goes on to even talk about the gold. It's, it says, iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of the stone. And one, let's go to verse three. And he setteth an end to darkness and searcheth out all the perfections, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. In other words, in the deep places, is where these things come from. But you know what's fascinating to me is that we're talking, and I really believe that among us who are Christian people, we still haven't figured out quite all this stuff that maybe have we, we learned in early school. And, you know, you, you get, you get kind of confused here. Well, you know, cavemen and all this kind of stuff. And what did man come from? And were they dumb back then? And yet here you have Job, which is purported to be the oldest written book of the Bible. And already they know that they're mining for silver. They already know that gold comes because you have to dig it out and then refine it down and it finally comes into a gold dust and then you can melt it into nuggets. Uh, it talks about how iron comes out of the ore of the earth and it, it's just, these guys are on this and, you know, I, I think that sometimes in our minds we don't put together that there was an understanding of some of these things and my mind is always intrigued to go, Wonder who the first guy was. What made silver valuable? 
what made what made gold something that somebody was attracted to and brought it out and it became valuable and yet already when we're talking job we're we're talking the 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 silver and the gold and the iron and the brass and and you're going that's just kind of crazy that and yet I, I believe that God has put in the intellect of man how some of these things would work. And, and all this time later, we're still doing the same thing. And so when you're, when you're talking about going down into the darkness and finding the stones that are down there, and it talks about precious stones even and, and some of these things. And, and, and then it goes on in, on to the next verses here says the flood breaketh out from the the inhabitant and even the waters forgotten of the foot they're dried up and they're gone away from men and I don't think this is trying to say something terribly profound it just means that there's the movement of things where things have been and and um, maybe some things get covered up and 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 moved around and the flood comes in and 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 we're just talking about how some of these things get moved around and and because time in a certain amount of time it's this way and yet things can be displaced and and and, and I think that Job's coming up to something in a sense of, of just marking out that there are certain things that are foundational. We know that there's veins of silver. We know there's a place for gold. We know all this. And yet, in all of this, there's there's movement and, and, and different things that happen. And let's go on to a few more verses. We're going to go all the way down uh, to verse, through verse 11. And it says, As for the earth, out of it cometh bread, and under it... In the center, it is turned up as if it were fire. In other words, you can grow things out of the ground, and yet down in the core of the earth, there's, there's tremendous heat for some reason. The stones of it are the places of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. And we, we, we watch TV shows with this stuff today. There is a path which no fowl knoweth. No, no bird understands, no, doesn't see it. And which the vulture's eye hath not seen. There's things that are hidden. And, and we're making a transition in this part. The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He putteth forth his hand upon the rock. He overturneth the mountains by the roots. Now that's talking some pretty big stuff. It says he cuts out rivers among the rocks and his eye sees every precious thing. He bindeth the floods from overflowing. In other words, man can even shape how the, the water is going to do. But the, uh, and, and the thing that is hid bringeth he forth to light. There, there is something that happens in the earth and there's things that overtake the earth and man kind of finds his way how to work around it and yet there's always things that are hidden and we're going to discuss this pretty pretty big here in this chapter and I, I i don't try to read too much into this first part because it can even be confusing because you're not sure who's speaking and and how it's speaking and you can read other translations and get into commentaries and all that kind of stuff uh, great but there's one overriding thing Go to the next verse, if you would, verse 12. Because he's looking at all of this and he, he's, he's, he's trying to find the practical matter. And I believe that all the way up until this point, with what the guys are talking about with Bildad, Zophar, Eliphaz, and, and Job himself, they're trying to put something together to say, okay, there's got to be a justice and, jo- and Job's been crying out for justice. And yet there is something about the, the way that God works that we don't understand. And yet, well, I just think these guys would say that God judges sin and you're, ju- you're being judged. So you must have sin. And we've got all these things. Here's what Job is saying. Now, when he comes down after he says, 
I know these things for a fact. I know that there's a vein for silver. I know that iron comes out of the ground. I also know that even bread comes out of the ground with you talking the grain and everything. I know that floodwaters can move things around, but there's still the concrete part of this. But then he comes to verse 12 and says, but where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? I, I believe, and I'm, I'm going to show you uh, something that I'm just, this is probably one of the most intriguing parts of scripture to me uh, about when we're going to translate this very thing into the New Testament. And, um, and, I, and I trust that we'll, we'll follow this up because right here he says, but where is wisdom found? And I, I'm just trying to say, okay, in all that he has said, and this isn't the first chapter that Job's talking. Job has talked a number of times. And in the last few chapters, he's been speaking and, and um, he comes down to this point where he says, where is wisdom found? Who's got the answers for all these things? Where's the balance? Where's the integration? How does this get put together? Where's the place where my mind can come to grips with what you're trying to do, God, so that my humanity doesn't feel so exposed and so vulnerable and all of these things? Where is this all at? And I believe that's what this says when it says, where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? He kind of turns the corner here and, um, and, and going into the next verse, he says, man knoweth not the price thereof. Of what? Of wisdom. Neither is it found in the land of the living. That would just be talking about among the people who are uh, living in humanity in the earth. Let's keep on going. The depth saith, the depth is talking about the sea and, and the ocean. It's not in me. And the sea saith, it's not with me. The, these, where, where is wisdom? How, who, who's got the answers for these things? Verse 15, it cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. So we know that there's a vein for silver. We know that there's dust for gold, but where's wisdom and how does it make an inroad into the place where this all fits together? Verse 16, it cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx stone or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. What I love about this is he's putting wisdom into a context, and then he's putting all the valuables of this world in a context and says, they don't come together. This is in a category, and this is in a category, and they are not in the same economy. There's something separate about this that we don't understand about what how all of this works together. And let's go on. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls for the price of wisdom is above rubies. Do you see all of the the language here? Do you see all of the precious things that we still have the pearl necklaces and the pieces of coral and the ruby rings that still in our culture are put on and made jewels of and they're valuable. And yet wisdom, wisdom, where is the economy of that? The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it. Neither shall it be valued with pure gold, pure gold. So he asked the question again, whence then, where does it come from? Whence then cometh wisdom and where is the place of understanding? I just think that there's something here that is so profound and we're going to read a few more verses and then I want to take you to the book of Ephesians. It says this, seeing it is hid from the eyes of all the living and kept close from the fowls of the air. 
Destruction and death say, we have heard the fame thereof with our ears. Now, this is obviously kind of metaphorical. It's not, you know, destruction and death say, we have heard the fame of wisdom. And yet, what happened? In a sense, destruction and death take over wisdom. Because if man can't make an association with how this plays out in our lives, wisdom dies with people. And who has the corner on wisdom? So let's go on. God understands the way and he knoweth the place thereof. He understands where it comes from and he knows the place where wisdom lives. I think we do now too. Verse 24, for he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven. He he's have the eyes for every place to make the weight for the winds and he weigheth the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning and the thunder, then did he see it and declare it. He prepared it, yea, and searched it out. What's he talking about? Deep wisdom. Uh, let, let's just uh, go to the next verse and we'll finish out this chapter. And it says, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Just stay right there for a little bit. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. Anytime I see this kind of stuff, I just put an equal sign in the middle of that and go, okay, fear of the Lord is wisdom. Wisdom is what we have been searching for in all of this discussion because to understand the way of God is the fear of the Lord. To understand how his kingdom works, not just our kingdom, that's where wisdom lies so that I get the effect of how these things work together. And then what happens is to depart from evil is understanding. So what understanding becomes is my response to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord convinces my mind that this makes sense. And so when I get that sense, when I understand it, I'm going, then he's got a path for me. So here's when I'd like to go to Ephesians with you. And if you would, um, uh, Kevin, if you would go to Ephesians chapter one. And um, I think we'll start in verse nine. And then we'll go to chapter three. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. If you see the mystery of his will right there, I believe that's what Job and Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad are all trying to figure out what is the mystery of his will. It says, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. That, that's what we're looking at is, God, how did you, how do you make this happen? And yet when we was reading the last part of Job 28, he said the very purpose himself. He, he's the one that, that made this to happen. Now go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3, if you would. And in, in this chapter, he's talking about how God has made this revelation known. And, and it says, how that by revelation he made known unto me, the mystery, as I've written before in a few words, and we'll go right through chapter, I mean, verse five, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men or to people as it is now revealed unto us, unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. 
So in other words, we have this whole idea of the mystery, which I believe Job has been seeking out, which I think they've got revelation in it in some fashion, and yet they don't have a full disclosure. And so they're wrestling it out with their own minds, with human reasoning. And so when we're looking at this and, and saying, how does this work? Now, there's, there's one other part to this mystery that I want us to, to go to. And that is just in the same chapter. Go down to, to verse 9, if you would. This is what Paul is writing. In fact, go back up to verse 8, if you would. And he's talking about how God has visited him and he's given him this message. And it says, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And... To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, just stay right there for a moment. He created all things by Jesus Christ. This mystery has been hidden. And yet back in the book of Job, you have, I know that there's a vein for silver. I know that there's gold dust that comes out. I know iron ore comes out. I know the earth can bring forth bread. And yet in the center of the earth, there's great heat. I don't know how all of this fits together. I don't know why this works in this pattern. And that's because it's been a mystery ever since God created it. And man, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, has been trying to figure this out. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about how there's a time and a season for all these kinds of things. And it says God has put eternity in their hearts. But nobody lives long enough to understand how this all fits together. And yet here we are looking at all of these things. And I believe the mystery that has come to us in these last days is that we become by spirit citizens of the kingdom of God still living in a house of flesh. And the only way this makes sense is that we give our allegiance to God and there is this work of the Holy Spirit that makes us understand that we don't have to know everything now. We don't have to figure everything out now. The suffering, you know, like the Apostle Paul, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? If he has to reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus, he's having this fellowship of the mystery and of the two kingdoms and he's, he's weighing them out and he goes this, I know this, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and even though it looks like I'm suffering now, I don't have to worry that he's not keeping record because there's going to be a payday for me and there's going to be a great reward if I will do exactly what Kyle said in this last teaching, if I will hold fast to my profession of faith. These are the kinds of things that I look at and I'm going, there's a message to all of this. And yet Job, in the natural experience from where he was coming from, he and his fellows were trying to figure out what is the bottom line of this mystery? Where is wisdom? And in the New Testament, I call wisdom, if you're talking the fear of the Lord, Unless we have been born of the Spirit of God, we, we will never have an equity to say, okay, I can put these two kingdoms together. What is that called? That's called the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery is that there are two separate worlds, two separate realms, two separate kingdoms. 
And while I am in human form, if I am born of the Spirit of God, I'm living in both of them. And I have to figure out the balancing point in my own life on how does this blend together? What should I be upset about? What is my cause? What is my call? And yet, what is God's part? And my job is to say, God, I trust you in everything. And I know that you will do exactly what Romans 8, 28 says. This is what we know, is that God works all things together for our good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. That's what we know. The convincing is that God has spoken to us that he's for us and not against us. Job was still trying to figure this stuff out. He didn't get the mystery. They didn't have the understanding. They didn't have the unveiling of this thing yet. And yet when we look back, this is why I love the book of Job is when I look back and I see this, I'm going, I would be in the exact same place because with human reasoning, you're not going to figure out the kingdom of God and, and the integration of humanity and bring them into one place. And yet in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, oh, no, 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 it's better. It's better because we can actually live while we are in this flesh. We still have the kingdom on the inside of us. Jesus said that's where the kingdom would be. Now we have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. And we're we're delighting in the law of God and and loving the word of God and and finding that place. And yet do we suffer in this life? My goodness. Yes, we suffer in this life. There's all kinds of things that we go through. I want to encourage you with these thoughts before we, because I, chapter 29, it's just going to be a, 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 an overview of something. But it, to finish out chapter 28, to realize that the, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. In other words, the more that I see my humanity, my life experience and the things that confront me from the perspective of the Almighty and the kingdom of God, the more I see this life as temporary, that this is just a going through zone, that I'm not going to live here forever. It helps me understand that everything here, it's going to change at some point. I don't have to put up with this. This isn't my final destination and the place where I'm living in. Some of us live in very difficult situations. You won't be there long. You won't live like that forever. This isn't going to be the last hurrah for you. What we have to do is hold fast because the mystery is that God is going to make all things new. He is going to change the scenery. He is going to come back and there's going to be a major change in our lives. And even if we have to put up with things for years in this life, and some of us go to the grave with situations in our life, the immediacy that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It changes everything. And that's where I see in this chapter 28, when you're searching for wisdom and you're searching for wisdom. And then he says, I think I found wisdom. Just trying to understand God, that's wisdom. And, and to have understanding means that I look at it from his perspective, that I see myself through his eyes and I can understand him better that way. I don't think that Job had the full understanding of that. And that's why when he goes into chapter 29, Chapter 29 is a long litany of all the things that used to be. Man, I used to have the respect of people. 
when I would say something, people would listen. You probably have to be about my age to remember a certain commercial that came on TV. You guys remember a certain time when people would go, you remember what that advertisement was? E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton. And somebody's having a conversation and they would go, and E.F. Hutton says, and everybody would turn their head and peek their, peek their ears and go, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. People listen. Here, here's, here's what I see in 29. In chapter 28, Job figured some things out, and yet he's going, man, if I could just be like it was in the past. I, I wasn't suffering. I, my kids were still with me. All these things were good. When I went into the gate, people, people recognized me. There was all kinds of things that would, would come my way. And I didn't have to worry about anything. I was regarded as someone with great wisdom. I could see things and, and I was one who helped the, the widow and I would, I would give to the poor and, and all of these things because my way was just easy and right. In fact, in one place, it says it was like butter yeah that's always the comparison that it was easy and soft and and ready to go and yet i i I look at this passage because i believe that there's this place and he's i i think that he's almost lamenting and saying do you mean that we really have to go through this when I know that what I had was so wonderful when all the things that used to make my life great I don't have any of it anymore. Oh, that I could be back in this place. And down in verse 14 of of this chapter, it says this. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment, my, my, my way of seeing things was as a robe and a crown, a diadem. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. And I broke the jaws of the wicked and plucked the spoil of his teeth. In other words, I stood for justice. My voice carried weight and I could bring people to justice. All of this is stuff that has been in his past. The reason I like this chapter is because I believe that Job is looking back and realizing how great he had it because in the midst of suffering, there's no question. You go, man, this is a hard place. Wouldn't it be great if you could just go back and go, how was life before this when I didn't even have a thought that I would lose 10 children, that I would be covered with boils when I even my wife is saying, just curse God and quit, man. It doesn't work. And yet he wouldn't and he knew that God had a place in his life and he knew that he regarded him. I don't think Job was so lamenting everything except why does it have to be this hard? And I think there's a lot of people today that are looking at the same thing saying, I love God and I want to serve God, but why does it have to be this hard? Why does there have to be so much trouble? Why does turmoil seem to surround me? Why can't my relationships work? Why is it that I feel alone many times? Why is it that sometimes even in my own family, because my faith is real and theirs is not, I, I, we, we don't have the sweetest of fellowship? Why is it that I can't find the sweet spot where it just seems like things would go forward? And I want to encourage you as we close this, this time together. There is a fellowship of this mystery. And Jesus himself even said, look, I didn't come to bring peace to this world. I, I brought a sword. Because what's happening is 
I brought a division between the two kingdoms and you're going to have to make a choice which one you want to live for. What is it that you're going to choose? If you're going to choose my way, it's going to be adverse to this world and you're going to find that the enemies will even be in your own household. You're going to find out that people don't tolerate my words and my laws. You're going to find out that they don't despise you any more than they despise me, but because they despise me, they'll despise you. When we make a choice, and then as Kyle said in the last class, and hold fast to it, it's going to separate us from some things, but it will absolutely join us into other things. Those who are like-minded in their faith will find a new place of family with them. We'll find a new place of belonging and it'll be sweet to us. So as we close this session today, I want to encourage you. You want to do a great word study? Study the mystery of the New Testament. Study the Apostle Paul and what reflection it gave him and then compare him a little bit to Job and say, I think his life was like that a little bit and see what you come up with. Hey, it's been good going through Job with you. See you later.